Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Bruce Coughlin, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Mel Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 234, and we are talking to, by way of our great listeners, Mr. Ben Zimmerman, who does these awesome, awesome, not only reimagined, but uh, new orchestral arrangements for Metallica songs. Yeah, so sick. And uh, Ben's based out of Germany. We got on the horn early this morning. It was afternoon for Ben. And, uh, you know, I, I love this about how this came to fruition. Jay Middleton, good friend of the show, patron of the show, sent in an email last week saying, you guys need to check out Fixer by this dude, Ben Zimmerman. And uh, I, I think we realized, Ethan, that we had already been seeing some of his work because he's done a bunch of cool shit. He's right. done Creeping Death and Fade to Black, Frantic. Basically, most of the songs that we wished were on the SNM albums, he has done new orchestrations for. Yeah. And so we listened to Fixer together on the episode, and we're I think we were both pleasantly shocked by how cool it was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I mean... I remember I edited that episode and and when I got to that part, yeah, like your reaction was so just genuinely like blown away. Like you were like, Oh shit, this is fucking cool. <laughs> like Well, you know how it is on the internet. You never know. You never know if stuff's gonna be good. Of course. And yeah. uh it was really cool. And so I think I think Jay had said in that email, you guys should talk to him for the podcast, to which I mostly jokingly said, but kind of for real, <laughs> was saying, if someone wants to figure that out. No problem. We'd love to talk to Ben, right. but I don't know how to get in touch with Ben, and I don't have time to go on a detec- uh, internet detective spree. Right. So someone did that. They got us in touch, and Ben shot us an email a couple of days ago and said, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast. I've listened to it before, and I heard that you guys uh, liked my uh, my uh, orchestration of Fixer, and I'd love to come on the show. And so I just love that you just sprinkle a little magic dust out in the Melody Podcast land, and then it grows a beanstalk. Okay, we're going to go with the beanstalk analogy. Oh, okay, okay. It grows a beanstalk into heaven, and me. Oh, here's all we, you have to do. Climb it. Yeah. We climb in the beanstalk into the clouds, and then before you know it, we're sitting on a cloud in heaven with Ben Zimmerman talking all things Metallica. It was nice. It was very nice. No, he, he, he was a, he was, you know, listen, we've said it a million times. He's another member of the Sweetie Pie Club. Okay? Yeah, we don't fuck with anyone that's not a Sweetie Pie. Yeah, exactly. If you're not a Sweetie Pie, get out of here. If you're joining us for the first time, by the way, which there's always new people jumping on the ride. Oh yeah. So I just want to say thanks for coming. We're an All Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are two professional musicians who make time every week to talk about our favorite band, Metallica. Uh, no big deal. No NBD, big deal. Well, we've been doing it for a long time. Like we're seasoned. We're seasoned per- we professionals. Are. Yeah, we're a little crusty, but we're seasoned. A little crusty, no, but that's unrelated. <laughs> that's that has to do with other things. I <laughs> no, think. that's not, we have to go to the doctor for that. What do you call someone who studies skin? Oh, a dermatologist. Dermatologist, yes. 
I remember I was on a plane. Every, once. Everyone at home right now is like, oh my God, it's a dermatologist, you idiots. Oh, yeah. I think 35 emails just came in. I think it's a biologist. I can't believe <laughs> Dude, I was on a plane once and um, I was actually playing with Drew Holcomb. Do you know Drew Holcomb? Uh, I've, I've met Drew, but I don't, I'm not friends with him. He's a good friend of mine. He's a great artist. I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard of Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. Really great band based out of Nashville. I've known Drew forever. His guitar player, who's also a good friend of mine, got married. And so I subbed a, a date for them. Uh, just to help them out and I kind of knew Drew's world I knew his songs a little bit but it was a, it was like in the middle of a tour for me and it was a day off so they they flew me into Indianapolis we played this killer show and then we kind of stayed up all night drinking and the next day I got on a plane to go back to my tour so super dehydrated and I had my first ever panic attack on a plane oh yeah and this has kind of started what became a very common thing I would have panic attacks on planes but I'd never had one before I didn't know what it was it, that's the scariest one <laughs> well i thought i was gonna die i thought i was dying yeah it was everything i could do to get to the back of the plane to try to get to the restroom as soon as i put my hand on the like handle to go to the restroom i passed out here was the funny thing though is i'm passed out laying there and but i i started to come to but i still have my eyes closed and i could hear the flight attendants talking over me and i heard one of them go do you think it's drugs and the <laughs> other one goes for sure it's definitely for drugs. sure i can and, smell i can smell booze <laughs> and uh I just thought that was funny. I'm like, I'm not on drugs. I think I'm dying. And uh, they asked if there was a doctor on the plane and there was a dermatologist. Oh, and so, uh, excuse me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> exactly. He like pinched your skin and you're like, yeah, he's definitely dehydrated. That's well, all I can do for him. Well, it was a chick who, it was a chick and she came back and she was like, she was like rubbing my back and she was like, hey, um, she was like, I'm a dermatologist, but I'm a doctor, you know? And she was like, hey, if you really are on something, like we just need to know so that we can like treat, help you. And I was like, yeah. I'm not on drugs. I was like, but I was like, but there's a mole on my back. If you could look at it. Did you say that? <laughs> oh, I made a, I made a dermatologist joke. You right. Know? Totally. That was when I knew that I was, I might not be dying when I, I could summon the will to joke with this dermatologist. That, after that's this. when the comedy bug bit you. Cause it was, and that's when I got into comedy. Uh, yeah. Okay. That was Tangent City here at the top. Tangent so here's City what we're going to sure. do. We're going to run through a little bit of housekeeping. We've got some really cool emails this week that are going to instigate a lot of Metallica talk. And then we're going to talk to our friend Ben, of course, in the Sweetie Pie Brigade. Of course. I just had to go. All right. I keep thinking about the, the image of you on this airplane passed out coming to and when they're asking about drugs and you're just laying there like in a metallica shirt with like a pentagram necklace <laughs> hair in your face like yeah it's for sure drugs yeah i mean i i get it i looked like a musician you know i get it but let right. me tell you guys out there okay not all guys who look like me or ethan do drugs right exactly yes i had been drinking the night before but i wasn't on fucking drugs <laughs> i was sick i was having a fucking panic attack i needed water uh. Um, the dermatologist came <laughs> the dermatologist came by dude and even the dermatologist was like kind of in my ear going hey if you are on something i don't care i just need to know so that we can. i'm like right. what do you want me to do sell you you think i have heroin in my butt or something what the fuck yeah. do you want me to do he did heroin is there a dentist here <laughs> <laughs> but dude it was embarrassing they made that like announcement on the speaker and someone's like i'm a dermatologist excuse me excuse me <laughs> i've excuse got me. this <laughs> anyway they were just trying to help but they did a, they did they did uh stereotype you know what i mean it was like the guy on the last band in philly episode who called all metallica fans beavis and buttheads it's like dude, right we're not all fucking beavis and buttheads okay yeah totally. in fact some of us are quite intelligent now do i have a balloon of heroin at my butt right now yes uh, yeah uh, but the, yeah. but i would never fly with one all right so let's knock some out uh the housekeeping out if you like the show first of all if you've been listening for years and you haven't done this go leave the positive review i'm certain that there are two types of people okay who have heard this episode for the first time 
this is going to break down into two different columns, Ethan. Yes. One column of people who are listening to this episode for the first time have already decided that they love it. And they're probably going to leave the review before someone who's been listening for four years. Exactly. However, there is another column of people who have heard this first uh, nine minutes and they split seed. Yeah, they're yeah they're going back to the dermatology office. They were like, as soon as he said he had heroin in his butt, I'm out. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what what kind of podcast is this? Uh, but if you do like the show and you did hang around, whether you're new or whether you've been in the family for a while, go leave the review. It really helps. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of people making a lot of cool shit, and this is the way that you basically uh, you put a little endorsement, you you put a little stamp on it that says, you know what, I like it. That's right. Yeah. They also uh, there's the Patreon. You can get involved with the Patreon. You're going to hear a commercial for it later. Everyone has a Patreon now. It's basically a way for you to support your content creators to support the things that you love and we got some new patrons we want to say thank you to them danny bedner carl walsh jim kratt tyler fink and stefan burns increased their pledge so thank you very awesome. much Thanks, i will guys. give you one round of applause mm, nice we really appreciate that over there guys thank you so much there's all sorts of cool shit we do with the Patreon stuff where we do Zoom hangs together and you're going to get all of our cover our black and EPs, just all the stuff, all the stuff oh, yeah. over there. In fact, I am a patron of several podcasts and several content creators that I believe in and love. And we give away some of the coolest shit that, I, that I'm aware of. It's true. It's true. You're speaking the truth, man. It's just a fact. What can I say? I like facts. Yeah, this isn't gloating. This is just factual it's evidence. just a fact and uh let's see all right so the socials were on twitter instagram facebook spotify and youtube come support us over there the lunar satan vinyl is almost done i have about 30 more pieces to send and then nice. all kickstarter orders will be fulfilled that's awesome and, and i've seen that a lot of them are showing up out in the wild out there yeah in dude in, in people's homes and feels uh, good dude it's a great feeling i'm really happy for you i'm proud of you for the record and Thank uh, you. it's just cool to see you know, even uh, Brad, our friend Brad, Brad Blazik the other night, you know, posted that, you know, he was jamming the Lunar Satan record out in Paris, Tennessee. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you feel this way about uh, Let It Burn, which is your reggae album. And I know you're going to feel this way about your instrumental record. And I was telling Isabel, you know, my, my wife doesn't listen to heavy metal, but she's really proud of the project. And, you know, she thinks it's cool that so many people around the world, you know, I was like, I'm sending stuff to like. 15 20 different countries so yeah i was telling her though i was like you know i'm so proud of it because it really does rip like it's just it really is good it's yeah. not like oh let's just um you know humor clint's little vanity project and it's like a bunch <laughs> of bullshit like it's fucking rips it's cool i mean no listen you know I, I did drums for most of the record and every time you'd send me a new tune i was like damn yeah i mean you're already a, a good writer and and you know kind of like when, you know talking to ben on this episode i mean you have that experience as a writer writing all sorts of different styles of music with all sorts of different people that, you know, you combine all that with your love of metal and, and Satan in space, then yeah. you get Lunar Satan. It's just a big love letter to everything that I love, you know, like yeah. uh, horror films and, and Metallica and all that stuff. So anyway, I just really, love love. <laughs> I'm just really proud of it. So anyway, um, once the Kickstarter orders are fulfilled, it's, I'm kicking it to uh, just the public. So anyone, you know, I've been getting a lot of emails and messages about people who want the record. I'm kind of trying to back off of that until I make sure there's enough pieces for all the Kickstarters. So there's going to be some leftover. They're going to be available. And I'm down to get rid of all of them. So cool. just be on the lookout for that. And really, you got to follow us on the socials, whichever one. Pick your goddamn poison. But that's the <laughs> best way to, to, to just keep, you know, abreast of the news. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, there's some touring coming up for me and you, and uh, it's going to be good to see some Melody Podcast people out there on the road. Yeah. Are pretty... you going Are you going to Europe? 
Uh, no, just just U.S. stuff. Okay, cool. This year, yeah. So just U.S. stuff. So that's kind of be how you kind of keep up with our tour dates. And we, of course, would love to see you have a beer with you out there on the road. You I don't can know if we're allowed it. in Europe yet. <laughs> yeah, is it still closed down? I don't really know. Um, oh, hold on. 35 more emails just came. I guess I thought Kings of Leon was doing some European stuff this year. Uh, no, not this year. Um, they might be doing some next year. I'm gotcha. Sure. The easiest way to get a hold of us are the aforementioned emails that we were just slagging a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. And we're going to dip in now and hear from uh, some Metal Up Your Podcast fans. You want to do it? I would love to. Our first email is from Fonzie Brookstone. It says, here's hoping Bob Rock was included in the 30th, 30th anniversary of the Black Album and hopefully sparked a rekindling. Keep up the great work, fellas, from Fonzie. Well, I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't reach out to Bob for yeah. uh, something in regards to the, the record. Um, of course, he didn't master the album. I'm sure it'll be remastered, um, which I can't imagine why they would want to. That album sounds great. Um, yeah, it'd be cool, though, if in that box set, you know, maybe they, you know, with all the additional content they're going to put in there with, the, I mean, the tons of extra content they probably have laying around from that album um, i would love to see what they did for puppets where they did kind of a round table with uh michael wagner and yeah you know if, if they did a round table with just sort of the 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 main players uh um, be cool it's a shame that michael Kamen couldn't be there but you know obviously the band maybe uh randy staub bob rock yeah i mean that would be really fun to see I mean, yeah, it'd be awesome it, I, i'm i'm pretty simple when it comes to that kind of stuff like i just recently watched that friends reunion yeah, how was it? Um, there's some things about it that are really cool, and there's some things about it that don't really work for me. Right. They, they really tried to, they made it real cute. There were like a bunch of different segments and stuff. Man, just give me the main principal players in the thing, and just give me a roundtable. Yeah, like I a roundtable discussion with a really great host who can just yeah. like keep it going. Like, like, like you and I. Ba yeah, I would, in fact, Lars, listen, baby. Let's get this roundtable idea happening because I, as I'm speaking it into existence, it sounds like if gold had a sound, it sounds like gold. It really does. Okay. And me and you should definitely moderate that. I think it'd be amazing. But yeah, I, I can't imagine we're not going to be hearing a little bit from Bobby Rock, even if they do like a book or something, kind of like the Justice book. Right. Uh, the book that came in the box set, it had all those great like anecdotes from like Mike Klink even, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let me tell you this. If Mike Klink wrote a blurb for the Justice book... Bob Rock's going to be involved. going to have something to do with it. All right. Caleb Tom Jinovich writes in and says, Hey, fellas, my name is Caleb from Austin, Texas, which for a long time was my second home, touring with my buddy Bob Schneider. He says, Big time fan of the show. I'm a newer listener, still making my way through all the episodes. I just recently listened to Death Magnetic 10 years later episode, and I'm glad there are other Metallica fans that share the same enthusiasm and love for that album as I do. But I do have two questions for y'all. Number one, and we'll just take these uh, one by one, Ethan. Sounds good. He says, number one, I think Death Magnetic is James's best vocal performance out of all their studio albums. And then he wrote in parentheses, unpopular opinion. What do y'all think? That's an interesting take. It is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there are moments on that record that uh, James has great vocal performances. Um, Day That Never Comes, you know, that This I Swear part is so high. Yeah, totally. Um, Unforgiven 3. 
yeah, I was about to say Unforgiven Three is a great a great example. Um, Actually, he's right, dude. Like, the, I was just thinking about uh, My Apocalypse is a yeah. great vocal performance. Judas Kiss is a great performance. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there, I mean, there's really, I mean, Suicide and Redemption has the best vocal performance. <laughs> it's ever. minimal but good. I think you. I think I can already tell what you're going to say because we've been doing this forever. I think yeah. our issues with it don't really have that much to do with the vocal performance, which I agree with Caleb are very strong. Yeah, it's really the production of them. Yeah, that is what I was going to say. Went you, for, they went for. They went for. It's like you can finish my. Sandwiches. They're just they're dry, you know. They're, they're dry, dry. And, and I think that's uh, obviously it's it, that that isn't the the performance itself, but I think it does it separates it too much from something like load or whatever, you know. There's just it's just a single vocal, nothing's double. There's like it's just compressed and EQ'd probably, and that's it. Um, so, but again, that is not the performance itself. So I'm I'm, I'm with you, Caleb. I, I think that it is a great record with great vocal vocal performances but um i don't know if i'd say it's the best i think for best you know I, th I think first of all the first thing that comes to mind is black album but honestly and i know that i know that, that i can i can see and hear the eyes rolling in our audience i think load and reload are some of the best vocal i just think he was in such a great spot vocally and then i think that really culminates with the first snl yeah oh look at that 15 more emails <laughs> but i i know what i love i love that someone out there like caleb is just holding down the fort for Death Magnetic. I love, I love it. it. I love the it's people great. out there, like my friend Chris Cockney, who played bass on Lunar Satan, holding down the fort for for um, for uh, Saint Anger. I just, yeah. I'm down. I'm down for it all. And Absolutely. then we got our buddies out there that are holding it down for the for the first four. They're holding down the the true and on uh, the true and on fort. So yeah, that's right. His second question is: My buddies don't think Death Magnetic can compete with the first four albums. I think almost any track from Death Magnetic is just as heavy, fast, or creative. As anything from their first four agree or disagree i'm gonna go ahead and say i agree i agree here's what it doesn't have in terms of if we're comparing it to the first four i don't think it has the iconic songs of death magnetic which would be like day that never comes or that was just your life end of the yeah. line they don't really stack up with the iconic songs they don't really stack up with like for whom the bell tolls creeping death right fade yeah. to black sanitarium master you know but how many bands can write a master of puppets that far into the game like they kind of did it with moth i think moth was an instant classic yeah um and maybe day that never comes is an instant class was an instant classic i think i think i would i would put the day that never comes in there for sure um and this isn't obviously we're not like you know slacking on death magnetic we, we both no. love that and adore that record um but it is it is tough to to put that against a puppets or a lightning in my opinion but i do think in the in the little list the little litany of criteria here heavy fast creative I mean, you and I have said, and I, you know, I, I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to just cement this in stone. I do think it is like Justice for All Part Two. Yes, I agree. I think it is definitely as fast and as progressive and heavy as those first four. Yes, I'm with you on that. So, and again, Caleb just hold it down for Death Magnetic. You wave that Death Magnetic flag, homie. That's right. Wave it loud and proud. He says, keep rocking and being awesome. Lots of love from the Lone Star State, Caleb. Well, thank you, Caleb. Really good to hear from you, dude. Thank you, Caleb. Next email is from Joey Connors. Dear Clinton, Ethan, I'm hyped for the new Metallica album, especially because I'm wondering what subjects James will write about this time. On Hardwire, the, uh, the themes of war, addiction, religion, and, H and HP Lovecraft were, were familiar, but songs like Spit and Murder... Uh, murder one painted new uh, new pictures that had we had never really seen before in metallica music what themes do you think james would revisit and newly explore on this new album 
uh, or even lyrics, or, or even uh, what lyrics would you like to see? I personally always like an epic Metallica war song or something um, fantasy like H.P. Lovecraft mythos, but I wonder if James will write anything personal or, or even inspired by the pandemic. What do you guys think? Take care and thank you, Joey. I hope he does not write songs about the pandemic, at least like on the nose. Like I've been yeah. thinking about that, like, oh my God, how many artists are going to make the the you know the quarantine album the pandemic album i don't want to hear that yeah especially if it's if it's super on the nose like here's my song called quarantine <laughs> you know like, what i mean like, i love the idea of like artists which that's our tribe you know we're like if if we're tribing out i feel such a kinship with anyone that makes art because that's those are my people and uh anyone who made something during that time i i love it i want to hear it i want to check it out you and i made a lot of stuff i put yep. out two albums and we did our quarantine covers and you've written an instrumental you know there's the list is endless yeah for sure you know artists make shit especially in tough times so i just hope it's not like here's our rushed pandemic album i, I yeah. hope it's like more like broad and and deals with lots of stuff and not just that yeah for sure and uh i mean who knows i mean Maybe James does revisit certain subjects he's written about in the past, like addiction or whatever. Um, listen, at the end of the day, I just want a good quality Metallica record with good quality lyrics that maybe are <laughs> thought provoking. Uh, it sounds like you're doing a commercial for like a tire, like a tire place, discount <laughs> tires, good quality products, good quality uh, warranty, and uh, yeah, thought provoking tires. <laughs> I, I'm with you too, man. I I, did, I think that James is. I mean, he's definitely earned my trust as a songwriter, and I just yeah. I, I'll go. You know, I'll I'll follow him into the dark, as they say. I mean, shoot, look at it this way: the one record that they decided it, everyone gets to write lyrics, including Mr. Phil Towel. Uh, the, the lyrics suffered on that record because of it, and they then they did. go to they go to Death Magnetic, and all of a sudden James is the 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 lyricist again, and much better yeah i agree and i think he was so james he, him being james was so raw from getting sober that i think a lot of that the imagery of sobriety crept into the lyrics you know right and yeah i do i do think that they were experimenting with like letting other people get involved obviously and putting down in my opinion like quality control filters yeah letting everyone like have a creative voice in the lyrics which i just yeah i don't think it served the project so for sure yeah, they're at their best when james is doing it and because he's the he's the best at it right you know it's like don't let lars write the riffs yeah guess who needs to write the riffs james hatfield yeah so we'll see uh i'm just excited that it's out there and and you know there is a little bit of pressure i think dude because they're they're 10 albums in they got the one you know black sheep but that's yeah. 18 years ago and their last yeah. two albums are as good as anything they've ever done so right and especially coming off of something like hardwired i wonder i wonder if, if for them at, at any point it almost feels like like a sophomore release you know it's like yeah people always joke about the sophomore slump you know your first record was great but then the second one not as good i wonder right. if, if, if that there's that comparison because hardwired was so great and there was such a long wait for that record well and i think lastly the last little bit of pressure on it is this might be their last album so you know this could potentially be their last big you know lp statement right yeah and i th i can definitely see the argument before we knew they'd recorded already 10 songs the argument of like hardwired's a pretty good last statement mm -hmm. you know in terms of like the big themes of the album and how good it was yes for sure so the, I, you know I, I as a writer i can really see the the point of james being like i need to really at least match that or beat it if we're going to do this last run. Maybe all the lyrics will be about bees. Inseminating the queen. <laughs> okay, our next email is from Adam. He says, what's up, brothers? In light of the recent deep cut dives on Through the Never, I was thinking about what exactly a deep cut is. 
I know there's been some discussion on the show in the past regarding the true definition, so I thought I'd share my two cents. He says, to me, a deep cut is simply just a song that isn't talked about a lot. That means it could be a random song buried on an album, for example, Leper Messiah off of Master of Puppets, or even an officially released single like Better Than You off Reload. But the bottom line is the song just isn't talked about enough by critics, by fans, or even by the band. That's why songs like Hit the Lights or Orion don't really feel like deep cuts to me because even though they're not singles or the quote-unquote biggest Metallica songs, they're still talked about a ton in the Metallica community and they get way more attention than Leopard Messiah or Better Than You, for instance. Anyway, just a random thought I had about defining deep cuts. What are your guys' thoughts? Keep up the awesome work and have fun. Always. Always. Adam, I completely agree with Adam's assessment. Um, I do, yeah. I think you can mix in too, just uh, on top of what he said, just like songs that aren't played live too. Um, yeah. Currently or in the past, you know? So yeah, Orion isn't played a lot live, but Orion is like such a legendary song for the band. Yeah. So I, I don't agree. know if you call that a deep cut. And then, and then I think what's even a more interesting point though, on the other side of that, is you've got a song like Better Than You, which was a single... And won a Grammy, yep. but is definitely a deep cut. Yes, it's a deep cut. I mean, they've never played it live. I don't even think they've ever even uttered a single fucking sentence about it. It's just great. It's just insane to me. That was just that's like that. Like, oh yeah, we never played Enter Sandman, even though it was a single. Like, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the 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 we got close to the edge of the criteria with Through the Never. Like that was yeah. getting close. They have a film called Through the Never. Sure. They did play it more than, you know, uh, than Trapped Under Ice, for example. Yeah. Uh, or Freight Ends or Eye of the Beholder. We could we could name the top deep cuts, you know, pretty quick. So, but yeah, it's, in, I mean, Avi and I were even talking about Until It Sleeps. Uh, by the way, 25th anniversary of Load happened a few days ago. It did, so. yeah. Happy 25th birthday to uh, easily just one of my favorite albums of all time, let alone one of my favorite Metallica albums. But yep. we were talking about Until It Sleeps. And he was saying that that's just one of his favorite favorite songs. And yeah. I've said on this podcast sometimes that that's my favorite Metallica song. So it's great. is that song now a deep cut? I mean, they played it on award shows. They had a big video for it. It, w- yeah. it was a hit single. It was a hit it's single. It's on S&M, blah, blah, blah. But man, are we ever going to see that song again? I don't know. I, and I don't know if I would call that a deep cut, though. I mean, it was big enough at one point. Right. Unlike Better Than You, I, even though it won a Grammy, it was a single... I don't feel like it was like this big song. You know no, what I mean? It definitely wasn't. I do remember though at that time hearing it on the radio. Yeah. Which is pretty weird to think about now. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But I was telling Avi, I was like, man, how cool would it be if there was a load rotating slot? Think about how much this would kill. The load rotating, because there's a reload rotating slot between fuel and memory. And I right. get it. Those two songs are fucking huge. Everyone loves those two songs. Sure. Play, the, play those two songs forever. I get it. But how about a load one? And their slot is uh, Until It Sleeps, King Nothing, Bleeding Me, and Outlaw Torn. Yeah, be awesome. It would crush. It would, it would crush. crush. Outlaw Torn, I don't really know in their normal set because it's such a long song, but they could do a shortened version of it. I think it works better, obviously, with the orchestra because there's way more going on. There's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of space in that song. Well, okay, point, point taken, but take Outlaw out. Bleeding Me, King Nothing, Until It Sleeps. It'd be sick. It'd be awesome. Two of those, two of those are big hits. And one, granted, is a deep cut. Bleeding Me is a deep cut. But I don't know, man. It, it seems like a missed opportunity. I get it. We've talked endlessly about their set list. And yeah. they've got a big catalog. They've got so many great... You know, they're a band with a lot of great songs. Yeah, they really I are. get it. I get it's it. True. It's if true. you could see any other songs from Reload, what would you want to hear? I'm trying uh, to think for me. 
Like, what would even be po- like? Obviously, hey, I would my love bitch. it. I would. Well, that's on load. Oh, sorry. You said, sorry. You said my bad. He said reload. I had load on my mind. Plus, you were wearing the load shirt. I would obviously like to hear Fixer or Carpe Diem Baby, but I don't think that'll ever happen. So, of what's possible, I'd like to hear Devil's Dance. Yeah. Um. What else could be in that rotating slot? I don't know. Low Man's Lyric. They played Low Man's Lyric at almost every show on the retouring me. Yeah, yeah. I like I I love your idea though that to have a, too. a load slot. Oh God, I'm, of course, of course, man. Which I've played every once in a while, but but having that idea, having that that load reload slot would be so awesome. I mean, shoot, that when that last time they were in Europe, they had the Saint Anger slot. I also think uh, if you're not going to do a slot, let's do a medley. Yeah, let's let's kick up a load reload medley. Let's do it. We'll arrange so, it for you. Um. All right. Thanks, Adam, for the email. We have two more. All right, our next email is from Barry McBroom, which I feel like you sh- your nickname should be McBoom. <laughs> I don't know why, but it should be. Uh, hey, guys, just wanted to say hi. I'm still working up through the episodes and came across the Little Rock show. My, my wife and I were right behind you, Clint and Sarah. That's awesome. If I had known about the podcast before then, I would have said hi. But as you were going through the set list, I just wanted to say that if you're interested, I have some pics of what you were talking about so you can actually see what we were talking about. <laughs> Um, which, I know, I, which, by the way, I don't know what we were talking about. I don't know what you were talking about either. Um, maybe the band on stage. Yeah, it's Metallica, like and then they, played, then they played Sabbath True. I wish yeah. I had a picture to show you what I'm talking about. It was crazy, and you can hear these pictures. You know what I, uh, McBoom, if I may interrupt here, Mc, my, our new friend McBoom, right? That's his nickname? Yeah, McBoom. If you do have pictures of me and Sarah hanging out, I, I would, of course, love to see that. Um, there's a few funny videos of that show like the Met official Met videos where me and Sarah are like on the rail. Yeah. And every once in a while we get emails where like, Clint, is this you? Because someone like sees, you know, it's on the right, rail. Yeah. But I w- any pictures of the show, I would like to see McBoom. Sorry, you can yeah. go ahead and go ahead with the email. Oh uh, yeah. yeah no, no, no disrespect, McBoom. We'll finish your email. I know <laughs> I'm still behind on the shows, but I'm still going to email when something catches my ears. Well, you'll hear this in like four years that we're reading your email on the show. Uh, ends by saying, well guys, keep up the good work and I'll contact you from time to time. Later, Barry. McBoom, you can contact McBoom. us anytime you want, homie. That's right. When you hear this in 10 years. We love hearing from all the people out there. And so speaking of that, one last email from Patrick Sloan, all the way from Belfast, Ireland, New Jersey, he says. Cool. Uh, he says, hey, Ethan and Clint, <clears throat> taking this opportunity to greet you, a friendly hello from Ireland. Just wanted to reiterate how awesome a job you guys are doing with the podcast. Two guys from the other side of the world I've never met, yet after four years, I feel like we've been on a weekly banter bus. Aww. He says, but let's not beat around the bush. I'm here to talk about the real star of the show, Paul. Paul? He says, just when I thought he couldn't beat his kid with no arms slash story, he goes and one-ups that shit with a getting fired by Richard Mark story. <laughs> oh my gosh. He says, I genuinely burst out laughing at the let's get something straight. We're not friends revelation. I love this man. Aww. Yeah. What's so funny about Richard Marks, the whole Richard Marks thing, and then years later, Richard Marks going through the trouble to tell a mutual friend of Paul's. That Paul's going to do a good job, but let's get one thing straight. He's not my friend. It just couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Like, Paul is just like one of the nicest, 
most genuine dudes. Richard just really got it wrong. Like he really got that whole thing wrong. He really Paul. did. Yeah, Paul's the best. <laughs> and, and listen, nothing good is said after. Let's get one thing. One thing yeah, straight. Dude. If someone says, "Hey, let's get one thing straight," just leave. Be like, be right. like, I want to hear the one thing. P- please don't don't forget that. Excuse me. And then get in your car and drive forever. Drive away forever. Right. Exactly. I, like I would never say, "Hey, Clint, let's get one thing straight." You want to go grab lunch? <laughs> like th- that doesn't happen. <laughs> totally dude if, if anyone ever says to me let's get one thing straight the next thing you're gonna i'm, I'm gonna excuse myself and then the next thing you're gonna hear is the car starting in the driveway <laughs> and, and the sound of tires peeling out and then i'm gonna drive like four states away and yeah. sleep in an airbnb or something I'll, I'll figure it out yeah but i don't want to hear that one thing no i don't want to hear it either no <laughs> all right he, he goes on to say keep doing what you guys do and thank you for the consistent quality output in the most bogus of times it's very much appreciated you're sincerely patrick sloan belfast Ireland, new jersey p.s he says Alanis Morissette came on my playlist halfway through typing this email. As much as I love Metallica, Jagged Little Pills, the best album of all time. Fight me. Well, okay. Here, not well, only let's get will, one thing straight. <laughs> <laughs> not only will I not fight you because I am an unashamed Alanis Morissette fan. She's awesome. But my favorite Alanis Morissette album is actually her Unplugged album, which she did after her second record, which was called Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie. And uh, I share a deep love for her, really her first three or four records. I, I don't like keep up with her, what she's doing now. Right. Yeah. But man, those first three, four records were so powerful, dude. They're really good. Yeah. And I, I know she just announced the uh, the rescheduled Jagged Little Pill anniversary tour as well with garbage on it. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine uh, is her tour manager. Oh, nice. And I remember one of the last normal days I had before the pandemic was at Melrose with him having lunch and he was telling me about that jagged little pill tour that's so cool man that's wild that i didn't i haven't even really thought about that since yeah. then so obviously that got canceled so yeah I, i'm assuming they're playing the whole record maybe front to back i'm not sure the details the deets as they say i mean i wouldn't mind seeing that i would go see it for sure also with garbage opening sure i only know like five of their songs but i love them i love those yeah. songs i never bought any garbage records did you buy yeah. their records uh i had the whatever the big one was i don't remember the name of it at the time uh like it was called 2.0 stupid girl and stuff like that on it um yeah plus you, get, you know butch vig on drums man he's a he's a boss i didn't know butch vig played drums on that no no he's the drummer in garbage like i didn't know that yeah butch yeah, vig i is only know him as a big big nirvana producer yeah exactly no he's he's a boss man well tangent city here at the end of the email corner you can write us in metal <laughs> podcast show at gmail.com we will read it on the show we love hearing from you guys we love you guys and uh i'm excited for you all to meet ben really sweet dude let's kick it to uh the patreon commercial and uh then we'll talk to ben sounds good Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free 
downloads of every cover Our World Black and EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SM2 and Slane Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes, in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Pure Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Good day, I'll do this in a smile to you. Don't waste, waste your breath. Now waste my hate on you. All right, well, we're here with Ben Zimmerman all the way from Germany. Ben, thank you for joining us on the show. It's good to see you. Nice to meet you. We were actually just saying off the air that Ethan and I have both seen your work on YouTube before. Uh, a lot of Metallica nerds have. What you know, We've already talked about what you do. You, you create new orchestrations for the songs that we wish they had played on the S&M gigs. And someone had brought uh, your Fixer video to our attention on our last episode, and I put it out into the Metallica world, into our beautiful little fan base, Metal Up Your Podcast fans. And I said, look, someone can get a hold of this guy and uh, let us, you know, get us connected. We'd love to talk to him. And so I guess someone did that, huh? You, you emailed us a few days ago and I guess someone got in your comments and said that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think two guys, mm-hmm. one on YouTube, one on Instagram. And I thought, yeah, I listened to your podcast before. So I thought, yeah, that sounds nice. Well, we're a very nice podcast. We're, we're yeah. very nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. That people say that about us all the time. So <laughs> it's what time is it over there for you? Five o'clock, three o'clock? Yeah, it's uh, three o'clock. So let's hear. I want to hear about your world and about what you do and how you do all this stuff because you do it at a pretty high level. It's it's pretty wild to hear your stuff. It's really great, by the way. Um, what's you. You, what's your Metallica story? Where do, where does the band and just you loving the band start for you? Uh, it's actually pretty uh, unspectacular. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it just popped up in my Spotify uh, recommendations. And I think it was Moth into Flame. It's not the usual song I get to start from Metallica, but uh, the song, the sound uh, from the Hardwired album. It, I, I wasn't really into that music, but the sound, I, I don't know, it kind of catched me. So I I come back to the song a lot, and then I started listening to the other songs, and kind of got into it. Interesting. So you're you're basically a brand new fan. You got on the ride with their last album. Yeah, pretty much. It's interesting too because at the level of what you're doing these new orchestrations for the songs we wish were on the S&M records it doesn't sound like somebody that just recently got into the band it sounds like someone that's been a fan for their entire life maybe because i mean you're you're doing deep cuts and 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 of course your 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 talent is amazing with this stuff but yeah i mean like fight fire with fire and orion fade to black all these other songs that like you wouldn't assume somebody that's a, a pretty new fan would be diving into 
Yeah, <laughs> I kind of got really a diehard fan after uh, a few after I think Death Magnetic. I I know every song. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm curious. So now now that I know that you're kind of a newbie fan, that sort of opens up a new door for me to talk to you about. So you heard Moth, and then you checked out Hardwired. What was your journey like after that? Did you just go back chronologically? Did you just hop around because of it was Spotify? What what was what were the next few things you checked out after Hardwired? I listened to Death Magnetic, and then um, the Black Album. And then puppets, writing pretty much chronology, and then uh, load and reload. Interesting. What did you think when you got to Saint Anger? When you got to that material, obviously a very different sounding album. The drum sound didn't annoy me that much, but I, I knew it's a really weird sounding album. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But um, I, I like for, I like it for what it is. It's a bit uh, it's a bit complicated because I think the album could have been so much better if just the structure was different of the songs <laughs> they're just way too long yeah i've i have similar opinions about it it seems like the songs are very long very repetitive and they don't change yeah. much and yeah. yeah you obviously would be sensitive to the dynamics of a song because um, so much a part of the orchestration part of what you do is about dynamics so you had not heard inner sandman or were you aware of the band metallica before you heard moth in the yeah, yeah of course i think i heard nothing that's met us before but um what kind of music were you into before you discovered metallica were you into any heavy music or or was this a whole new world for you it was basically the start of listening to heavy music before i listened almost exclusively to soundtracks i, I was really into soundtracks and orchestra music and then i started to get into metal with i think bring me to horizon was the first really metal band i listened to and then kind of got into it do you have like a classical music background or were you listening to soundtracks just of, of no not not at all oh, okay <laughs> just uh, just because i um i'm a gamer also so you don't have a, 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 any kind of background in composing or, or it was, is this new territory for you as well wow that's even more impressive <laughs> Uh, I kind of taught everything myself. That's you just nauseated half of our audience who are like, "Wow, just got into Metallica. No composing history makes all this great Metallica yeah. shit." Are we talking to Will Hunting right now? <laughs> <laughs> this is no, it, it. Truly is impressive, man. I mean, you know, listening to these things even even before uh, you know our, our our listeners connected us. My first gut instinct was, well, yeah, this guy clearly knows what he's doing. He clearly has a background in, in composition and arranging and um, maybe even plays, you know, certain orchestral instruments, you know, uh, just by listening to what you overlay on top of these, you know, live versions. Think about how many people think that about me and you. And do we know what we're doing? <laughs> no. No, we sure don't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing either. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when did you become a musician? I mean, were, did you always play instruments? Uh, I think I started when I was nine or so. I started playing um, piano. My grandpa had a, a really cheap keyboard, which was really shit. <laughs> I still have it, <laughs> but it's, um, I started playing some songs there. And I didn't want to play the classical songs, which you learn when you get lessons. Mm -hmm. So I learned some video game tunes, <laughs> got into that. And then I got the opportunity to make a soundtrack for a game. And then I got more into arranging stuff with the keyboard and with, uh, with the door. After that, I got really into guitar, actually because of Metallica. So it sounds like kind of a lot of your sensibilities about composing come from gamer culture. Is that right? Is that yeah. what I'm hearing? Yeah. 
that's true. I, I don't know as much about that, but I know we probably have a lot of listeners who do. Do you have any favorite favorite games or any any soundtracks to games that stick out that, that are remarkable to you? Pretty funny. One of my favorite soundtracks is from a game called Banjo Kazooie, and that's a pretty happy soundtrack. Not at all something I do now. <laughs> Donkey Kong has a really, really good soundtrack. What makes a good soundtrack, in your opinion? I think the melody is definitely the most uh, important part. And then I think... It's important in a game, especially that the soundtrack doesn't um, interfere with the gameplay. So you, play, you shouldn't shouldn't be distracted from the soundtrack. It should be there, but that's that's the hard that's the hard part right. to make a soundtrack which is memorable but not stands in the way of the gameplay. That's the, you're threading that really delicate needle, right? And it's pretty much yeah, also the same for movies. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they should also be very memorable, but don't uh, take away from the movie. Right. Do you hone in pretty much on movie soundtracks as well? Yeah, but not quite that much. I think they're pretty... There are some soundtracks that are really good, but in the last few years, they're really hmm, gotten worse, I think. Really? I'm a huge movie nerd, and uh, Ethan, I know, likes movies also. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know if I hone in that much like so what do you think about the guys that get all the gigs it seems like there's always Hans Zimmer in a thing there's always uh, uh, John Williams before Michael Kamen passed away he was always getting film gigs can you hear like a pretty identifiable style in those dudes they pretty much have their own style I think mm-hmm. I, I don't really like the Hans Zimmer music to be honest uh, it's dude he's, I, he's your people like- That's, he's like probably your neighbor <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> I, I don't know. They're pretty similar. Your All name is Zimmerman. Really he might be. Yeah. Your, he might be your dad. <laughs> ben, that might be your dad, bro. Yeah, I don't know. They're pretty. They're all really similar. I think. Yeah. For example, he has these big hits like the Inception theme or um, yeah, the other stuff and. All the other songs are really similar to that. I don't know. I, I agree. I actually kind of feel like the John Williams stuff is all really similar. I feel like whoever did like the big Back to the Future ones or the Indiana Jones, I feel like they're all kind of similar. But I like them actually a lot more because they have more melody. I think right now the melody is really, it's dying <laughs> in film music at least. Or maybe do you think that, you know, uh, let's say in the last 10 years, for, for example, there maybe isn't scores for movies that are as memorable as a Back to the Future, a Star Wars, or Rocky, yeah, whatever, you know? Exactly. Well, and I think Ben's saying too, because of that's just because of this lack of melody. Because what I guess what I'd have noticed is you kind of find a theme, and that theme weaves itself through a whole film. Like I'm thinking about whoever did Forrest Gump. There's that, like, whenever you see that feather, yeah, you hear that same exactly. piano, that melody. I really like that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of the challenge, right? Something that's a hook, that's memorable, stays out of the way. And I think the most think the composers are going more for like a vibe than a melody, and that's really sad, I think. <laughs> Which there is a place for that, of course, you know, in, in certain scenes and movies and stuff like that. But to have that, it's like, you know, it's like a it's like a band, you know, putting out a record that does not have anything close to a single, anything that's you know, or let's say let's say Saint Anger, for example. It's like it's a lot of filler and there's and there's uh there's great moments there, but there's nothing that really stands out, you know. Yes, exactly like that. I mean, when I say Back to the Future, you you both will know the theme, and when I say like uh, Tenet, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I still haven't even seen Tenet because I've just heard it's it's a hard film to get through. But Final Destination Six <laughs> is so catchy. You know what I was going to say though? I don't know if you're familiar with this film or this franchise, Ben, but a really great little piano melody that I've stuck with me my whole life is the Nightmare on Elm Street theme song.
Nah, I know don't know that one. Real creepy, real cool. Check it out when we mm-hmm. get off the uh get off the podcast. But or even Halloween too. Halloween, yeah, yeah John, Halloween is- John Carpenter, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one of the most memorable, you know, movie you know pieces ever probably and it's only like a few notes yeah so when you're working your way through the metallica albums what did you think when you got to snm i mean that's kind of intersects uh in your world orchestra metallica did that did that blow your mind or were you uh were you already a michael Kamen fan did you already know about that album i actually didn't know about michael Kamen, but uh funny thing is i didn't actually like it that much in the first list when i first listened to it because um, I expected something different. I expected the orchestra to more follow the riffs, but uh, the orchestra kind of do their own stuff. So I was a bit disappointed. But when I got the idea and uh, listened to it with uh, that in mind, uh, I got hooked. <laughs> you got hooked. Yeah. 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 That is the kind of the thing about the first SM, right? Is that it, it does seem like Michael came and went that route. He. He seemed to have let the orchestra sort of be uh, doing counter melodies and instead of following yeah, the riffs. Yeah. So, do you prefer the or- uh, the arrangements and orchestration pieces on SM two or over the first one? It's pretty hard because I think SM two did follow a bit too much, and SM one is a <laughs> bit <laughs> it's in between somewhere. A little bit of the Goldilocks syndrome. I think, I think one of the best one of the best arrangements would be uh, of Wolf of Man of Wolf of Man because uh, that one actually has some counter melodies and also follows the riff. That's really good. Yeah, I like that one. Interesting. So when did it occur to you to start doing your own uh, orchestrations of songs that, I mean, some of these songs that you're choosing are these massive deep cuts that, I mean, you also do big hits too, like Creeping Death and and Fade to Black, but like Fight Fire, which actually Fight Fire was going to be on the first S&M. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Um, But of course, you know, the one that we heard, Fixer, which is dearly beloved deep cut in the Metallica community. When did, you, yeah. when did it occur to you to start doing this stuff? I think I was just on the SM2 hype, and uh, I was a bit disappointed they didn't play any um, new old songs. And then I just thought, uh, yeah, well, the next best thing is to kind of do it myself. <laughs> so are these songs that you personally would want to have wanted to hear? Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's a few that you've done that, that I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, we did an episode a while back before SM2 was even a, a, on our radar or even a thing. Where we did like a fantasy set list, like what would we want if they did SM2? And we had songs like Orion on there and Fade to Black. So just to, to see your stuff was like, oh, look, that's how it could potentially sound. That's so cool. Did you dig uh, Unforgiven 3 and Day That Never Comes? I mean, I guess those were kind of the newish, newish old stuff. I liked them actually, really. Uh, I really liked them. Yeah, me too. I think I like those versions more than the album. Yeah. Also, the Hardwired songs are really great, I think. It's a bit disappointing that they didn't do redo any old songs. I think uh, they had redo Enter Sandman and Puppets. Yeah, I think they did but Puppets. I think yeah. they could have done more with the old stuff and just playing like it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I can see from the from the perspective of just the practicality of it, I can see why they used yeah, the yeah. old arrangements. But yeah, it, there was definitely an opportunity to... to uh, to get some new sauce in there for sure, which they kind of did. You know, they got Bruce Coughlin in there. I don't know if you've uh, checked out our interview with Bruce Coughlin, but we talked yeah, to the guy who did the new. Well, yeah, he's a great guy, super talented. So, I guess I sent him three. They may uh, have you come in, huh? <laughs> How amazing would that be? Yeah. That would be pretty amazing. So, which one? What was the first one you did? Uh, Fade to Black. The first one was Fade to Black, and then I, I actually I thought. I almost didn't upload it because I thought uh, my channel was full with video game covers. I thought no one 
would watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now it's like four hundred thousand views. Yeah, that had that had to have been a trip for you, man. Just to, to put, some, you know, you obviously you have you have uh, a, a certain kind of content on your on your YouTube channel. Then all of a sudden, here's this Metallica reimagined kind of thing, and you're you just throw it in the middle of all that. And yeah, I was looking at some of your, your view counts, and it's amazing that so many people have, have gravitated towards that stuff and checked it out. Well, it's so cool, and it sounds so good. So okay, so I'm curious. You know, Ethan and I are both professional musicians here in Nashville. We've made many records and written many songs and been on tour all over the world, even in your fair land of Germany. Um, b- yep. But here's something I don't know a lot about. And uh, Bruce did this for us, Bruce Coughlin, the wonderful Bruce Coughlin, good friend of the show. But walk me through. So let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to do fade to black. What this walk me through like I'm a dummy, which I am, by the way. Um, <laughs> walk me through how you do it. What, do you just do you listen down and start to make notes about where you could be filling in gaps. I want to hear about the creative part. And then I also want to hear just even the, the technical stuff about how you're, I'm assuming you're using some sort of MIDI program to build all these instruments. So let's do the creative thing first. So how do you sort of decide the direction you want to go when you hear a song like Fade to Black? Most of the time I just improvise. Uh, I put some strings or brass on my keyboard and then I just improvise something and uh, look what sounds good. What are you, what kind of sounds are you using? Are you using just like native sounds in a DAW? Yeah, I have a, um, a subscription from East West plugins and they're just uh, there's symphonic plugins they're really, they're really good they're also really professional yeah i, I use east west i use east west for uh, violins and yeah, cellos. yeah exactly so for people who may not understand what we're saying so ben will have a keyboard um but it's not really a piano it's called a midi controller and what that does is it's like a keyboard but whatever instrument it's called a vst you can make it sound like drums you can make it sound like a guitar you can make it sound like whatever you want that's the beauty of a midi controller so ben's got it he says you start with like some strings or some brass so you can sort of do big things and you can also do melodies. So you're saying you just improvise over the song yeah. and are you recording that so you can go back and listen yes, to it or exactly. are you just sort of seeing if it, okay. And it always depends what instrument I choose uh, depending on the song. When I, for example, if I fade to black, it's a guitar intro with the acoustic guitar. So it was always clear that it would, that it should start with also violins, like the, the really high ones doing some counter melodies. Yeah. And so how are you, are you thinking like, I need to stay out of the way of the solo, but then maybe in the choruses, there's a lot of big holes for me to do something interesting. I kind of have this thing where I go like, these are the important riffs and these are the not so important riffs. And uh, I kind of want to copy or accent the important riffs. And the not so important riffs that do some counter melodies. And do you sometimes do this with a guitar in your hands? Like, does it, has it been helpful to learn how to play it on guitar? It is. It is sometimes helpful because um, I'm not that sure every every time what the song is on a piano on piano keys. So I play it on the on the guitar and then can I can do it on the piano. So you so you, you maybe you do, do you burn the whole song down with strings or brass and then you're recording it so you don't lose any good ideas. Then what's the next step of refining that into you're actually writing parts that you're going to build on? I'm going to search like the, the parts where I want to expand and um, some parts are just leave like that <laughs> because sometimes the improvisation was just fine. Not right. all parts just have to be that outstanding because uh, in the end, they're just um, complementing background. the song. Yeah, yeah background. right. There are some parts like and the and the fixer and the, and the verse. There's not a mu- that much going on which you can hear, but uh, actually, there uh, the orchestra <laughs> plays uh, some things, but just not really uh, important stuff. Right, and I I think this might be true in your world too, but I know this is true for Ethan and I. Sometimes 
the thing you improvise or the thing that comes out closest to first is sometimes the best stuff. Yeah. And the more you keep digging into it, sometimes you can kind of get further away from what was really cool about the initial idea. So it totally makes sense to me that in those improv- uh, improvisation sessions that you're going to land on something that that you keep, a keeper, you know, mm. from the first round. Right. In fact, because I'm selfish and Fixer is one of my favorite songs, instead of focusing on Faded Black, let's just go ahead and think about Fixer here. So when you look at a song like Fixer, it's kind of, you know, it's not one of their most beloved songs in terms of like a big hit like Fade to Black or like as iconic, but are you looking at like a eight minute song like, oh shit, it's kind of eight minutes of stoner rock. Does that feel different to you than maybe something like Four Horsemen or Creeping Death? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was actually, I was really afraid of that song and I didn't, uh, didn't do it for a long time because I think I thought, I don't know how this is going to turn out. But right. then uh, I thought like, um, Outlaw Town is, I think it's really similar, not exactly the same, but it has the same a similar vibe. So I thought that it totally work, is that yeah. work, and I thought that should also work. And I kind of tried to do a, a bit of an uh, Outlaw Town vibe with also the arrangement. I think they're totally like sister songs for sure. I mean, they both yeah. they, they both end the record. They're both sort of long stoner rock jams, and they both definitely I think have the same kind of dark vibe. Mm. So that's interesting. What's it like building all the other stuff? Because, I mean, yeah, you have a full orchestra. Like, how many pieces are in Fixer? I don't know. There are some plugins where they combine um, the instruments. So, it's like, I play one one and it's eight brasses. So, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number, but I think, like, 50 musicians. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. On average, how, how, how long is... I know maybe Fixer might have taken a lot longer because it's, it's a much longer song. But, on average, from the time you sit down with a song to completion what is that time frame looking like for you yeah it depends uh let's say fixer maybe took like uh i don't know five to six hours maybe five to six hours total from you sitting down and being like okay what am i gonna do to you printing a a final mix yes yes wow i did not expect that answer (laughs) what did you think it would have been ethan I thought like just over the course of a few days, maybe spending five or six hours a day, like really getting it, you know, but Ben's clearly, you know, the will hunting of, <laughs> of the orchestra world. So <laughs> I agree. I, I would, I would have guessed it would have taken longer, Ben. Five to six hours doesn't sound like a lot of time from, from start to completion on that. But I guess though, if you know that world, once you, once you have a map and kind of know what you want to do, I guess it's like, if you're putting in timpanis and if you're putting in an, a, you know, a fucking oboe or something, there's only so many things it can do once you sort of know your map. Yeah, right? exactly. And how about you, how, how did you, because to Ethan and I, when Ethan and I write songs, we're able to think of like, okay, you know, there's going to be two guitars down both sides. They're going to be doing stuff a little different, which by the way, I think I learned from Load and Reload. Uh, we know there's going to be drums in the center mostly and bass in the center vocals maybe harmonies and maybe a solo so we can contemplate like maybe 10 elements and we know how and we can write that whole thing ethan and i can both even like program a whole song like that but that's quite different than like 50 instruments and like oboes and 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 fucking triangles and stuff (laughs) how how did you learn kind of where everything fits in that in that spectrum of of sonics kind of comes from just listening to orchestra songs because I listened so much to them as a kid. So it kind of is always in my mind. Right. I think it's just the experience. I'm doing orchestra songs for five to six years now. So it's just um, in my routine. And you never studied it? 
other than listening? No, no, not at all. Just self-taught. That's great. I, yeah, I mean, I guess you know all the years of you know doing video game soundtracks, whether it's uh, providing your own composition for one or just recreating other ones. I mean, you know, there's there's your your your, your time well spent and your practice put into to only you know need five or six hours to do a Metallica well, song. I actually think it's really interesting, and I want to get your opinion on this, Ben. We were talking about it on the Discord. Is you know this idea of of you can spend a lot of time and money, and I'm even thinking of Hans Zimmer, who does one of those master classes, right? Mm. He does a master class where it's like, learn how to score films. And I like the idea, I mean, by all means, learn learn your craft and trade and however you need to get from A to B, do it. But I do like the idea that like you can learn so much by just jumping into it and doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I mean... But it's, I, think, I think the thing is, it's a bit... Um, frustrating in the beginning right there's a big learning curve yeah, yeah and if there's someone who tells you what to do it's uh, i think a bit easier for some people right right but, but you got to get those you know quote unquote uh, street smarts you know it's like you got to get your hands on the instrument or on the on the software or those plugins and, and really mess with it and try to figure it out it's like i could read a book all day long about how to play guitar but until i put that in my hands you know nothing's going to happen you know and and but it's it's great that you're you know, not only improvising a lot of these things, but you know, you kind of dove in the deep end of the pool, just like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get this program, I'm gonna get these plugins, and I'm just gonna figure it out. That's the gamer in you. I don't think, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. You're reading like a, a guide about how to get through. The, I used to do that when I was a kid playing video games. I'd like get a guide. By page three, I'm like, let's just play the fucking thing. Let's just figure it out. Let's get in there. And the, speaking of like deep dives into this world, I don't, I don't imagine it gets deeper than Fixer. What was the hardest one to do? To live is to die was not that hard, but it was the hardest in terms of I really wanted to do some. So the instrument, Katol uh, of Cthulhu, it is really, uh, the song really is, how should I say it? Um, it's gotten way better with the orchestra, I think. And I wanted to do something, not that I think it's really better than the original, but <laughs> I wanted to do something similar where the orchestra adds so much that it's almost like a different song. So I wanted to do some really, some uh, melodies, which only occur in this version and something like that. That was really difficult to come up with. Yeah. So I think that is kind of the hard, the hardest one. So maybe six to seven hours on that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that was... Hmm. Maybe eight. Oh, you are human. Yeah, maybe, maybe a bit longer. <laughs> That's interesting. So when you are, so when you have your map and you are starting to layer it up and it's it's getting closer to what it's going to be, you're in your recording software and do you just have like a wave file or an MP3 of the actual recording? Yes, exactly. That you're tracking to, and then are, do you also mix your stuff yourself? Yes. Well, that's pretty impressive too. I mean, the mixes sound pretty good. Do you get them? Do you like do like a faux master or something? Or I mean, that's pretty up because uh, the song already is mastered. Right. Um, right. I don't put that much on the master. Just maybe a limited bit of EQ. Uh, well, they, they they sound great, man. Yeah, they they sound really good. So let's talk about just real quick. We won't dwell on this, but like, what about how are you getting around sort of the the legal issues of putting these up on YouTube? Is it just considered like a cover song? No, they say it's a copyright claim. As a, so they claim it as a copyright, but then, um, yeah, they don't take it down or something. I, I can't get any money off it, of course. Yeah, and I, so I, I know sometimes in that case on YouTube, it, it, there will be a copyright claim and it might not be uh, viewable in a, a certain country or two, um, but they might, you know, run ads on there and then that that goes to, you know, the, the, the 
the publishers and the writers and stuff like that. But yeah. So there's no way for you to, cause I mean, I, I know I'm not the only person who have thought this been, but there's no way for like me to have a record of your work, like where I could like, people could listen to it on Spotify if they like Spotify or I could like buy a, you know, a 10 song thing on iTunes. There's, there's no way. Is there any way for that to, no, happen? that's not possible. <laughs> I suppose if you were, if, if you, if you had re-recorded the original songs where it's essentially a cover, uh, I did this with Orion for Orion a version with Metallica. And then I thought, um, because so many were asking about Spotify or something else. Uh, I just recorded the whole song myself and put the orchestra on it. I'm doing the same thing now for, uh, probably all the instrumentals and kind of have that so you kind of have at least something yeah I, I uh, actually watched that video this morning it sounded awesome yeah and that's with another um, a, a popular YouTuber right on Andre how do you s- yes he's, uh, it's called Andre Vasilenko <laughs> right and I think he has a podcast too called, Met- yes, called Metallic right. Geek yes so he does a bunch of he's primarily a bass player right so he does a bunch of bass covers so everyone go check out you know that stuff if you like it um, it's really amazing. Have you thought of doing a new orchestration of a song that they already did with Michael Kamen that maybe you didn't like much, like Saboteur or something? I actually did um, with another YouTuber who does these um, What If and the Sandman was on Justice and something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did um, No Leaf Clover, not because I didn't like that one, but uh, we just did a cover of that and I uh, tried to give it my own spin. Of the orchestration? Yeah, yeah of the orchestration, yes. Hmm. Interesting. Did a different intro and all that. I actually thought about doing battery because I, I don't really like that arrangement that met that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't really In like the, the battery original. either. I that's I find that I kind of S and M is probably my favorite Metallica album if we're counting live albums, and I don't really gravitate towards that version of battery either. Yeah, I think it's it's because the song is so dun 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 and the orchestra side. <laughs> what would you do different? I would do, yeah, the orchestra needs to be also the chaotic, I think. Yeah. Then it's like, <laughs> you, wouldn't, like you wouldn't worry about that getting like a little too muddy or like the kind of so many instruments. No, fighting. no, no, that, that works. That works. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> or at least, you know, like on, on that, on that main fast riff, you know, just accenting the, not maybe not doing the gallops, but just accenting like the da, 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 da. Something like I did on, uh, Fight Fire with Fire, something more like that. I'm wondering now if Ethan and I, as Metal Up Your Podcast, can put in an official request for something. Yeah, sure, sure. What do you think, Ethan? Uh, we haven't pre-discussed this. What do you? No. Have you done The Unforgiven 2? Uh, no. Maybe that's the one, Ethan. That's a good one. Well, I mean, m- my request would be Orion, but you've already done that one. Yeah, he's already uh, done Orion. That was one of my, you know... Even on SNM one, like wow, why did they do Orion? You know. How about um, this though? How about this though? Because I'm because I'm greedy. How about we get two? Because there's two of us, and plus Ben can do these in like 30 minutes apparently. Yeah. So so why don't we pick like a a, a load reload era song, which my, I would submit to you all, uh, Unforgiven two, and I why don't you cool. why don't you pick a one from the first four? I was thinking maybe Dyer's Eve or something. Hmm. What would I pick from the first four records? Uh, you're, so you're representing the trues here. Do I go crazy and say Escape? Ooh, Escape. I did a short Escape version. I did uh, on, on the 1st of April, I did a joke video where um, I said I was doing suicide and redemption, but actually it was a medley of um, unpopular songs. <laughs> it was The View, <laughs> Escape, and um, Dirty Window. Wow, you did The View. <laughs> wow. They're probably sounded so better awesome. than I expected. I bet it's the first time that song's ever sounded good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, what do you think, Ethan? I mean, yeah, Darzu is short as straw would be awesome. How about short as straw? Yeah, that could work. So maybe we could like debut those on the podcast before you put them up or something. Maybe we can do something fun with that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, consider, consider those been just uh, formally submitted. Uh, do with that what you will, but I would love to hear those two songs. That'd be really cool. You think the boys have uh, heard these arrangements? I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. Who knows? I do always wonder like, this stuff's got to be on their radar. Don't you think, Ethan? Yeah, I mean, especially with Lars. I mean, that guy's so in tune with everything Metallica, you know, and I would imagine, I'll say this, even in our experience, you know, we had uh, a few of our listeners, Chris Yurgis, for example, uh, on the last tour, uh, get the meet and greet and wear one of our podcast t-shirts into the meet and greet. And two of the members, Lars and Kirk, both said, I've heard of that. Uh, you know, someone told me to listen to that and check it out. So like, I would imagine with what you're doing that, and, and now that it's getting so many views that, that surely someone out there has t- uh, a buddy of Lars or Kirk or whoever texted him, yo, check out this, this dude on YouTube. He's doing new arrangements for songs. You guys didn't play or something, you know, there, it, I, I would surprise me if that wasn't happening. If you could play one of your arrangements for Metallica or for Lars, um, which one would you choose? Like, which one do you think is your uh, best work? Mm, that's hard. <laughs> a song we just uploaded yet. Suicide and Redemption. Oh, ex- exclusive. So it would be one of the instrumentals. Yeah, yeah. What do you one. think about Suicide and Redemption? I mean, that's not really uh, a song that's talked about a lot. I think it's, I do think it's the, uh, it's my personal least of the four instrumentals, but I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a, I, I am a champion of Suicide and Redemption. I think it's really underrated and awesome. Yeah, I love that song. I really love that song, especially the, uh, James Solo, of yeah, course. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. And the whole composition is really great, I think. Maybe a bit too much repetitive sometimes, but but overall I, I really, really enjoy it. Especially also the, the clean part with the nice melody. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. I love that too. That's really great. Yeah. Also the heavy, the last riff, the heavy last riff is also really great, really slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben, do you uh usually have a couple of these kind of in the can ready to go or do you just kind of work on them one at a time like you, you mentioned that you're, you're going to upload suicide and redemption soon but do you do you ever like kind of stack them before you upload them so you can space them out or sometimes i do that sometimes not because I, I had i had a lot of exams in the last week so i did uh, a few of them so i can upload one every week so what's the future look like for you like i mean what if what if someone offered you a gig scoring films i mean is that what you want to go into you're obviously extremely talented at it that would be nice too but uh, my kind of dream would be um, to just go on tour with a band. I really enjoy composing, but uh, playing in front of an audience is my main thing. I think. Yeah, uh, obviously we both, you mean Clint, both know there's nothing like quite like that feeling of getting on stage in front of people. Well, what if it was a band you can go on tour with who also had a string section? You can do the arrangements too. Boom, best of both worlds. And what would you want to do? Play guitar? Yeah, yeah I um, I play the guitar and I sing probably. I um starting my own band project so that's in the works right now nice well let us know when you get it off the ground and we'll play some of it on the show for sure nice yeah for sure well dude thank you for taking the time to let us into your world we uh we're big fans of the work you're doing over there gonna be paying attention of course to what you're doing moving forward looking forward to that unforgiven two and uh was it shortest straw shortest shortest straw Straw, Straw, ethan how long do you think it would take you to do what Ben does in five hours. Like if, I, if I had all the software and everything. Let's just say plugins. you have the East-West software. You have your little MIDI controller set up. Um, I'm guessing for me. Like a week? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say way longer for me. 
I mean, for, well, so for instance, you know, like I do, I do a lot of programming with MIDI stuff for drums, especially uh, for myself, for other people that need it. I can do, I can do a song on that in like an hour, but that's just one instrument, you know? Um, and I have done some string stuff here and there. I don't have that, those plugins, but um, I guess maybe because I don't play those instruments, I don't have the experience that you Ben have. Um, it, I think it would take me quite a while. I mean, I would say minimum three or four days to, to be happy with something. Ben's like, man, you guys are lame. Look at him, Ben. Look at that. He's like judging. <laughs> He's stifling laughter now. <laughs> well, Ben, take it easy over there. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, let's stay in touch. We'll talk to you again. Okay. Master! Master! There you have it. Ben Zimmerman, son of Hans Zimmer. <laughs> stepson uh, step of <laughs> uh, what a sweet dude and, and man i am so excited that um so there's a couple of things that we got cooking with ben number one we mentioned on the show uh that he's going to do the unforgiven two in the shortest straw and yeah. those will be metal up your podcast exclusives before they hit his youtube channel go check out his youtube channel ben zimmerman that's where it's you can awesome. hear all of these wonderful uh arrangements that he's done and uh you know tell him that we sent you and uh, the other thing, can we talk about the other thing that we... I think, I think we should because we're long overdue for a um, cover Our World Blackened. Volume but, 5. Volume 5. But uh, after we finished you know, officially recording the ep- uh, interview, I had, I had the idea in the middle of the show, but I didn't want to bring it up. And uh, I, But I thought a great idea would be to do another cover Our World Blackened. And maybe he does every song or whatever, but to have Ben you know, put his sauce on the songs. Man. Yeah. Like whatever we end up covering and have him do some orchestral arrangements over it. It'd be pretty, pretty awesome. And we have a, we have another cool idea for cover our black and volume five that we will keep secret, but that's kind of shaping up. <laughs> we have really good ideas now doing we execute them <laughs> now doing it all. Like it's one thing to sit here and think, Oh, I have a really great idea for the song one, but fuck man, recording it, getting it down and doing it good. Yeah. Yeah, it for sure. feels, I don't know how we've already done four of these. I know it's crazy. Um, and I, I kind of don't know how we didn't do. Well, I guess we had the quarantine covers last year, but we probably should have just done a volume five last year. We had the time. <laughs> well, we did like 26 covers. Yeah, we did a lot. I mean, we did a lot of stuff last year. Yeah. Yeah. That you, you, yeah, you did two records. I did an EP. I did started writing other. Yeah. It was just a lot last year, but yeah, we, we did well, a lot. All that to say, we're really excited about the uh, the p- potential up- upcoming opportunity to work with Ben on some cool, uh, just cool cover songs. All right, you know your homework. Leave us the positive review. Go check out that Patreon. Support the people who make the things that you love, and uh, take care of yourselves out there. We'll see you next week. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>